Guys, I overheard the Inquisitor talking the other day, and he said we're gonna make the warp jump to Holy Terra soon. Soon? Most excellent. So, uh, I guess this is goodbye. There are still so many preparations that need to be made. The ceremonial wards are not yet drawn out. The sacrifice remains unbloodied, and the- Andros, silence, not in front of him. Wait, you guys are planning something, aren't you? It's a uh, secret. Shut up. You're throwing a surprise going away party for me? Yes. Indeed, a party. Oh boy, I can't wait to play Pin the Tail on the Squig and eat Grok's meat pizza with pineapple? And can I have a chocolate cake with lemon frosting shaped like Sanguinius? And then can we have a big pinata shaped like Abaddon the Despoiler full of a starry smarties? And can we have a big bouncy inflatable Blackstone Fortress? We'll see. Thanks so much! You guys are the best! We might not be able to acquire all the... Accommodations you've requested, but rest assured, we'll try our best. And one thing is certain, it will be a day to remember. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm really gonna miss you guys. We'll miss you too. More than you could ever know. Yeah, that's that's Ferris Banis though. Like that. That's... Now we can talk about the other guy who wears black armor. So Ferris Banis wears black because he's just a simple guy and he likes how it doesn't stain. This kid wears black because he's the edgy goth kid who sits by himself <laughs> at the lunch table. This is Corvus Corax. His first name <laughs> oh, is no. Latin for Raven, and his last name is Greek for Raven. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? Is that no? Raven? No, yeah. <laughs> I've invested my whole life in this stupid hobby. <laughs> like I didn't even know that. I don't yeah, know. That, that's so Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like the one thing that I love about like uh Corvax's Horse Heresy book is like it's not great, but it is good. Like it's 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 okay. Like it's a good one. Who wrote um, it? Uh, let me see. I just gotta search this on my computer real quick. Uh, um, Raven. Excuse me. Raven. It was good. It was like Raven Guard versus Alpha Legion, which like, oh, okay. you know, perfect pair up. Like that's that's awesome. Um, Raven Guard Horus Heresy book. Uh oh, Gavin Thorpe, who's not oh, bad. Oh, Gavin Thorpe. He's good. Yeah. He's 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 written some like good stuff. He wrote some good Ultramarines books back in the day. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty solid. Like uh, he's no ADB or Abnet, but he's uh, pretty good. Yeah, no, like you're not offended when you read him. Like, yeah, like yeah. there's some Black Library authors where they're like, you're like, uh, how the fuck did they give this guy a book deal? Like, <laughs> yeah, these total like, hacks who like recycle their failed screenplays. Yeah, no, it's it's where you're just like, I I wish, you know. Why am I not writing for Black Library right now? Exactly. As <laughs> if this is like what they will like take. No, um, Gavthorpe's pretty good. No, Gavthorpe is good. I, I like him a lot. He and so um but in the book it, it briefly talks about him growing up on whatever planet it was he grew up on. And it just talks about him being like an activist and an organizer. Right. And like That's he, the thing. He uh Corax was born on a planet where um you know, most of the people on this like dusty ass moon were just regular mine workers who fucking uh, were just 
treated like absolute shit by the lordly upper crust who lived on the actual planet that this moon was orbiting. And Korax didn't really like that that much. So he uh, organized the workplace. He started passing out uh, IWW cards for everyone to sign. And kind of a class traitor, right? Like he kind of grew up rich, but yeah, yeah, like he was just so like, this ain't right, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like, yeah. Uh, if only he had gone into STEM and still liberal arts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh wait, so, sorry, Sam. I I just like what? But like, yeah, he um like th- there's you know there's organizing a labor union that's one thing, but then there's organizing a labor union that's also like an insurrectionary force. That's what Corrats did. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. and like he, I I don't know much about like you know what happened because like. You know, it's like, you know, I feel like there's a cool down period after you read like a wiki page. Where you're just like, holy shit, I never want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like exhausted after you read just like the background on somebody. But um, in, in the books, it does a really good job. It takes place right after the drop site massacre. And it's just like the Raven Guard were the only legion to kind of safely and successfully extract from the planet. Yeah, they had like a few thousand, you know, I'm and like out of tens of thousands, you know, like so, like tons of them fucking died, but thousands of them kind of lived on to to keep fighting, and um, and like it it talks about them safely extracting and just them kind of doing this campaign across the whole planet, just running away from all nine legions, all nine traitors who are trying to kill them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the Raven Guard, like their combat doctrine, is based around like stealth and sabotage, which kind of comes from uh, Corvus leading an insurrectionary force back in the day with like, you know, factory sabotage and things, but also just like actually using tactical sense and not just running at them with a chainsword and screaming. Yeah, no, they're reasonable Marines. It's one of the the good 1D4 Chan uh, inventions. Not many of them, but there's a few. Uh, there like, is a few. Yeah, like yeah, reasonable marines uh, are 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 great, and like that's what the Raven Guard are. They don't so like a whole class that reason the, people the, use to classify like marines it, into. No, reasonable marines are just. I, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. Reasonable marines are just people who just like yeah, they like they take cover, they have camouflage, you know, they just like properly assess an area before <laughs> attacking it. They don't secure the perimeter. <laughs> They they don't have like a tango down. <laughs> Tank, tango down. This <laughs> is suppressing fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just as for listeners, one of my like favorite things to do in multiplayer games is anytime I'm like just firing in the general direction of the enemy team, I, I just kind of like turn on general voice chat and I just say laying down suppressive fire <laughs> every single time I start shooting. <laughs> like, and it's like mixed results. It's either people who are like really pissed off or people who just like fucking play along with it. Like, yeah, we played like a game of Halo recently where that happened and it was so fucking funny. Um, do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was great. The first game is great. We had like two people who were playing along and then no one was talking the next one. It's not fun when people don't engage with your bullshit. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's that's the only reason to do bullshit online is to get a reaction. (laughs) It's about it's about connecting. Yeah, human moment. It's about having your name be Antifa Sarkeesian (laughs) in Apex Legends. (laughs) Just eliciting like horrible responses from them. Dude, I have gotten some people like legit flipping out, and like (laughs) one guy threatened to eat me. It was great. I'm gonna eat you, you stupid motherfucker! I'll eat your ass, cuck! I'll eat your leftist ass! Oh my god! <laughs> like corn on the cob! Oh <laughs> and the thing that's so funny is like the name is like so like self-deprecating in and of itself. Like it's just like yeah, Antifa Sarkeesian. Like it, it, it's just like there is like an air of humor there. You have it's just funny. Like yes, like it's and, funny and, if like, you know what both of those things are. Yeah, and it's just like even if you are just like a fucking chud, you'd have to like be able to laugh at that, like to to fucking get it. I don't know. Seriously, like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like one of those things where it's just sort of like 
I've definitely like made friends like through gaming on the internet and then found out more about them and been like, ooh, I don't think I'm gonna get to know you better. That's happened but, to me sometimes. Yeah. yeah but, <laughs> like, but like at the very least, it's just like, uh, you know, we'll always have Paris. We'll always have you laughing at, you know, getting my joke. Like, you know, like at yeah, least there well, was that bridge between us, friend. We'll always have uh, that one strange love mod for you, Unreal Tournament 99. <laughs> <laughs> if you anyway, guys remember that shit? It was like, uh, it was Unreal Tournament 99, but like they modified the the Redeemer missile, which was the one that you could like steer around when you uh, did the alt fire. Uh, they modified that so you could ride on it, and it was just a big dumb race map. Like, everyone's <laughs> like riding the rocket and racing around this course. It was awesome. <laughs> that sounds uh, amazing. I, I only played. Um, what was the, I, I only played? It was a 2004. Which when was um, Unreal 2004 or Unreal 2000 uh, something? They made 2003 and 2004. Yes. Yeah, no, that was those were the ones that I played. I never played the '90s ones. I yeah, still, the original '99 is very close to my heart. I still need to. Pl- I've never played that before. I've never played the campaign before. It's it's there isn't much of a campaign, but it was really really fun in multiplayer. I I gotta see if I can like get it working because like playing a game of that would with you guys would be sick. Yeah, and no, the body would... AI is like actually really good for the time. Yeah, no, I, that's something I remember is like anytime I was in detention. We'd have our laptops and we would like try to like covertly play, like, because there was the free demo, there was the Halo demo, and then there was the Unreal demo. Those were like the two demos we played during detention. And like, and the bots were so fucking fun to fight. Like, the bots were actually like really, really competent. And and like, it was like, I think it was also like Cliff Blazinski was still just like, you know, doing his thing before Gears of War. Um, Anyway, we are getting way off topic yeah just one more uh, uh adding on to this digression um there was fucking like I, I think it was like freshman sophomore year of high school in our computer class like fucking everybody had the demo for unreal tournament 99 and we just played the shit out of that and like our teacher just gave up i mean he was just oh, fucking no. like zonked out of his mind oh, on god yeah. knows what the entire day like he'd come in with sunglasses and just like sit there and you know try Try, try and pretend that like everyone wasn't like you know try and pretend that he wasn't stoned off his ass and every once in a while like when he tried to actually teach us like here's how you use word art in microsoft word it's like we type out the lyrics to the final countdown <laughs> and just 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 click and drag and here's all the different fonts and like word art things and colors and yeah no like, that's, that's a piece of work yeah no it's like it's as you get older, you know. I think we're all in our thirties. I just realized. Um, oh, yeah, so, yeah. No, it's um, like I don't know. I, I have so much more empathy for like my teachers. Just yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like I'm just like oh my god. Like you have a lot more for some of them and a lot less for yeah. a oh, lot. Absolutely. A lot of them. Yeah. Absolutely. True. No, like it's it's one thing growing up in liberal New England. I I don't know what the public system was like. In, in fucking Texas, yep. <laughs> it got better as you got older, and you could, you know, find teachers that weren't trying to like sabotage you because they didn't like Asian kids. Oh my Jesus! God. All right, so where were we with Corax? <laughs> um, oh yeah, so we covered his origin. We covered uh, how he survived his fun. So I think, like, yeah, there there was like one point during the uh, one point during the heresy, like. Well, during the Great Crusade, Corax just did not get along with Horus because, you know, he's like, uh, he's, he's this like edgy goth anarchist kid with a heart of gold, and he doesn't like being told what to do. Yeah, and uh, he, he just had like a, a really, really, um, just a lot of tension and chafing and acrimony between him and Horus, but he still had to follow Horus because Horus was the war master. Horus was Daddy's favorite, and there was one point when Horus ordered. Uh, the Raven Guard to just do like a dumb, big dumb frontal assault, like what everybody in Warhammer does except for the Raven Guard. And that went about as disastrously as as you'd expect. So Corvus basically said like, well, here, I'm going to 
like, how about we do this in a tactically sound way where we like assess the situation and uh, do sabotage at key points and infiltrate under like the confusion of that. And then Pergarabo called him a big pussy. So oh he had to do God. it anyway. And it probably lost like hundreds of his Marines or something. Yeah. He lost a lot of, uh, a lot of his guys and, uh, Lehman Russ of all people had to break up a fight between Corvus and Pergarabo. Are you kidding? I, I've never known about this. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Forget no, which book like, this is your, from. this is your history, son. Oh, yep. you know, I'm just, this was the breaking point for uh, for Corax, and he just kind of like, fucked off and met up with Ferris Manus and Vulcan, and they got along really well until uh, until the whole Istvan thing. Yeah, no, it's um, it's really sad. There was like a great scene where Ferris like just was like freaking the fuck out because like Fulgrim goes to Ferris and is just, you know what? We're gonna save this for the episode. I'm not gonna fucking talk about this. <laughs> Okay. Um, (laughs) but but when we just do Istvan in general, like yeah, but but um, there's a big thing. Yeah, no, it's it's it really does deserve its own episode. Um, (laughs) what's Istvan? Istvan these nuts! (laughs) (laughs) Christ, dude. (laughs) Okay. Um. We gotta yeah. talk about uh, before we get to Big Daddy. Wait, G, I wanna I wanna say one more thing about uh, um, uh, the guy whose name I can't remember. Corvus Corvus. Corvus. Corvus Raven Corvus. McRaven. Raven McRaven. Um, he the one thing that like I do um, really like about him is um, he um, I don't know he he's similar to to Vulcan is just like he's not like this douchebag. He and um, who's the Edge Lord from the Night Lords? Uh, Conrad, Night Hunter. Yeah, Conrad. Conrad Kurz, the Night Haunter. Um, the two of them had like this. Uh, they didn't really interact that much during the Great Crusade, but they just like were both known for like shock attacks. You know, yeah. one one was based off of imbuing horror onto a planet, proceed a general assault, and then the other was known for gathering intelligence, sabotage, and then doing an assault. They're both similar in that vein. And the one thing that I love is that Corvax had like this like class guilt. With oh like yeah. Conrad Kurz, because he was just like, oh man, you know, if Conrad Kurz had grown up in just like the lap of luxury like I did, maybe he wouldn't be such a savage animal. <laughs> something like that. I remember like reading something like that. It's like it was just like, oh man. You know, I could have been like Conrad Kurz if that things had gone worse for me. And yeah. it's just like it's something that he like talks about in the book, like over and over again. And like, there's never like a interaction between the two of them. But he's just like, you know, man, that could have been me. I could have been Conrad Kurz. You know, yeah, and, like, he's he's like, got this uh, this whole like fetish for the lumpen proletariat that you see among yeah. like a lot of uh, a lot of communist leaders come from very or came from very well off uh, relatively well off backgrounds. Like you look at Lenin, you look at who's a uh, teacher, Mao. A professor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that that one uh, Vietnamese general whose name I can't pronounce. He used to be like a great school teacher, and then he became the Red Napoleon. Yes, no, oh, absolutely. And then, oh, uh, but the one thing that uh, I forgot to say about uh, about Raven Boy is so at the end of the Horus Heresy, when he sees just the nightmare that the Imperium turned into, the nightmare that it is about to become, like this just ridiculous totalitarian, theocratic, space fascist state that he, being like you know anarchist rebel boy, wants no part of. He just kind of turns on his jetpack and just flies into the eye of terror like they fuck it and yeah, you know what he said now. my planet needs me and you know what he's actually even better you know what he says when he pieces out What's never more oh. are you kidding me nope that's are you that's, fucking kidding me? He does that's the fluff baby jesus christ he quotes the simpsons <laughs> <laughs> never more that was the first time i ever saw like heard anything about edgar Allan poe was that first treehouse of horrors episode really like yeah no i i, I hadn't heard of anything i was like a little kid it was like the 90s when that when that came out 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I was just like, what the fuck is this? And, like, my parents were, like, very just like, oh, wow, like, they're teaching our kids about Poe. That's really cool. And then, like, they saw other episodes, and then they were just like, you could never watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> you could never watch The Simpsons again. But um, it's that's so, crazy. It's so valuable, though. Teach, it teaches you how to be funny, how to construct jokes. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Like, I'm, yeah. I watched a lot of Simpsons as a kid. I think we all did. Yeah, here, here and there, when I could get away with it, like I, anyway, like the um, the one thing also with Corvax uh, is that he is still in the Eye of Terror, and he actually recently beat the shit out of Demon Prince Lorgar. Um, really? He, yeah. In the lore, there's a short story that was on Warhammer Community a little while ago, and he has like gained psychic powers that just make him an imperceivable shadow. <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> it's so stupid it's so fucking dumb and he just like murders a bunch of word bearers and then he beats the shit out of Lorgar and he's just like I'm coming for you like it's just like it's so stupid and fucking uh, Conrad Kurz shows up and he's like you merely adopted the darkness I was born <laughs> and it's molded by it oh man my back been broken and i have to reflect on the monster that i've become um yeah no so <laughs> right, let's move on to another pry bark we could yeah we've, we're, we've boiled it down we've we've covered ground here yeah we're left with two and we're gonna start this final pair off with uh everyone's favorite shiny golden god the only primark with angel wings i'm talking of course about sanguinius who led the blood angels because blood Yes, blood. Sanguinius is uh, an interesting person. He's again just kind of like a he's a kind of a mirror to Fulgrim, you know. In the sense and I, that they're both like total uh, bitchy boys. They're, they're they're bitchy boys, but they're also like you know. No, not bitchy. Like that that uh, anime bitchy? trope, Bishonen, where oh, like oh, Bishonen. Just, yeah, yeah, like like yes. Griffith. Yes, ab- absolutely. No, that's that's absolutely beautiful, yeah. long flowing locks. Mm-hmm. But the pr- the problem was is that like you know, so I'm going to make a I'm going to have a Star Trek reference here that no one is going to understand except possibly some of our viewers or listeners rather. So in DS9, there is a villain called Wayun, and he is this creature who is born and bred to rule, and he's never had to really work for it in his life. It's just something that's given to him, and he just it's like kinda... George W. Bush. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's it's and like it's just given to him, and he kind of um, treats it as an effervescent child would. But like he's also really good at it, and that's kind of Sanguinius. Sanguinius is like very much just already perfect, but doesn't see himself that way. And he does have a lot of corruption, and so does his legion, just mm-hmm. in their gene seed and their genetics and everything. Yeah, and then, Sanguinius and- like puts on a pretty face all the time, and he's, he's got these rocking angel wings. He's got this like golden like Roger Daltrey or hair metal mane that makes him look like a rock star, and everyone thinks he's so beautiful. Everyone thinks he's so cool, and he has like every time he blinks, he has these horrible visions of what the future's gonna be. But he just yes. doesn't talk about it. Nope. The only person he's talked to about it is Conrad Kurz. Again, he keeps coming up. This mm-hmm. stupid, this stupid one-dimensional Primarch, who, who just <laughs> like, who like, there's just like, actually, there is something to him, but just no uh, writer has really done him justice. Like he's, I don't know. I think that there's potential for him, but like, it just it. What the fuck do you do with like a a, a character like that? Like yeah, it seems like he just sort of just hangs out with everyone. <laughs> so you just have to acknowledge that he's there. Yeah, no, he's like the uncle who won't go away. <laughs> like at like, fucking Thanksgiving. Like you're just like, oh, okay. Like, you and me, we've got a strong bond, <laughs> little nephew. It's, it's just like, oh, oh, okay, Uncle Bob. Um, but no, like um. They know Sanguinius. Like they, they, the two of them share the same thing, where they're both latent psychers, but they don't have control over their powers. 
So yeah, they're they're just racked with horrible visions of what the future is going to be, and they know that there's nothing that they can do that can stop it. And you know, Conrad Kurz makes a whole fucking thing about it, always like writing on not not his live journal, but his dead journal. Fucking flashback <laughs> to two thousand four. But um, yeah, Sanguinius, he just he just tries to keep calm about it and doesn't let anyone know that he's just fucking coming apart at the seams. He just has you, a big smile could, on his you face. Could say that his better his an- you could say that his better angels prevail. Yep. <laughs> so there's one point during the, uh, during the Great Crusade when uh, Horus told Sanguinius and his blood angels, you know, you got to go to this one planet and just go stomp all the aliens there because there's an alien infestation and we got to save the people who are already living on there. Uh, but then when they show up, it's, it's a goddamn demon world. Yep. And, and also to add on to that really quickly, Horus says, I know about the corruption that like your legion is going through like right. not spiritually but physically and i know a place that has the key to your salvation and it's here that's sanguinius's betrayal right there or that's horus's betrayal is just sending one of his bros out to get just devoured by this demon world yep and the king shit demon uh tells sanguinius to his face like hey you know that Horus betrayed you, right? And he sent you to die here. And I'm the guy who's going to kill you. And Sanguinius doesn't want to believe this. He flips out. He kills the demon, like stabs him straight through the heart. But he knows. Like, it's it's when fucking Darth Vader tells Luke Skywalker that he's his father. Spoilers! That's impossible! He yeah. knows it to be true. He looks deep yeah. in his heart and he knows it. Yep. Yeah, no, that, that guy, that um, bloodthirster shows up. He's a recurring like, dude, right? Yeah, the he's demon? Yeah, yeah, they're greater demons of corn. They're just like these gigantic, almost titan-sized demons. They're massive. They're they're super big, and they can pretty much kill anything, except in this case, Primarchs. Um, but he shows up again at the. I think his name's Scarbrand. Is that his name? No, it's uh, what is so it here? Fucking Kabanda. Oh yeah, no, there we go. Yeah, Kabander. Yeah, he shows up at the Siege of Terror, and it's, I don't know, that's all, yeah, that, that, whatever, who gives a that's shit? That's the whole but, thing, but yeah. Um, so we mentioned that Sanguinius is super fucking beautiful, and, you know, with that super fucking beautiful androgynous look, that's pretty close to a woman. So, like any major female character in any fiction uh, written for men, he gets fridged to raise the stakes. You guys know what that means, right? I didn't hear it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it took me a minute. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like Indy 4. Yeah, it, it, yeah. You get the, yeah, it just gets fucking killed just to show how evil another character is. In this case, Horus. And to oh, raise wait, the no, stakes that's not what I'm for... Never mind. Yeah, and to raise the stakes for the bad guy, the good guy, who's like, you know, the Emperor's like, no, Horus is my most favorite son. He can't be doing this terrible evil. And then Horus kills Sanguinius, and the Emperor's like, oh, well, I guess you are evil. Yeah, no, and, like, <laughs> and it also... Sanguinius's death scars his entire legion. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it creates. They're already corrupted, but then they lose their goddamn minds. And like it's yeah. the struggle. It's called the Black Rage. I think it is called the Black Rage. That's right. They'll yeah. like hallucinate every once in a while that they are Sanguinius at the Siege of Terra, facing down Horus and like trying to kill him. But they just know they're gonna fucking die. Yeah. And if they give in to the rage, then they're lost. They then become like these mindless berserkers that the Blood Angels kind of let loose out of their cages to go fight stuff. And they, they usually try to like keep that hidden from the other legions. And they're very similar in that way to the Dark Angels, where like both right. of them have this like that terrible secret. secret. Yeah, a terrible secret, hidden shame. The Blood Angels, you're just more like, oh man, dude, like you shouldn't, you're just like body shaming yourself, man. Just like, you're like, I don't know, just like take it easy. And like the dark angels are just kind of like, you know what, man, like the white scars were able to admit that they had traitors among their ranks and they like were able to be like, oh yeah, but we dealt with them and it was fine. Like, why the fuck can't you do that? Why do you have to be like the perfect legion? <laughs> it's, I don't know. Yeah. That's like one thing. Again, it's another reason why the white scars are great. Like they're just yeah. like, 
oh yeah, there was like a good chunk of us who like wanted to go join Harris, but then we beat the shit out of them. (laughs) (laughs) And like, yeah, they just kind of like nonchalantly just admit that. Yeah, modern modern problems require modern solutions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So, um, oh man, this 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 is something I just I just see in a wiki here. So. Horus has this shit called the Vengeful Spirit. That's what. Uh, right. That's where the sacrifice happened. That's where Sanguinius died to protect his father, the Emperor, and to protect Terra. So those who died aboard it uh, had echoes of themselves bound to the ship, manifesting as crystal statues that let you experience a part of their death if you touch them. This includes Sanguinius. And an interesting oh thing about God. Sanguinius' statue, it just, like... Every time you're not looking at it, it moves around a little bit, and if like a chunk breaks off of it, it regenerates, and nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Like maybe he's gonna come back, but you know that would involve plot and actually moving the setting forward. So they're probably not gonna do that. No, you—they've said multiple times. They said we're moving the story forward, but we're nowhere near close the uh, to the uh, the end times. As as it were, um, so, so, so they just turn him into a weeping angel, but they're not even going to make him cool. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I didn't actually know that. Like, and I recently um, reread the Black Legion book, and a good chunk of it takes place on the um, on the, um, the vengeful spirit that ship. Yeah, yeah, and um, it talks about those those crystals, but I for, it, I don't think it ever mentions Sanguinius. I think like, it's in the second book. No, it's like. It's like, how do you even like mention something like that? I, like, I think it's got to like be like a background thing. Yeah, like, it's probably yeah. just like an offhand little, uh, probably something on the end of a paragraph. Yeah, because like the the Marines who like find the vengeful spirit are just like these background nobody characters who are great and they're really well written because it's Aaron Dembski Bowden. Oh um, yeah, yeah, they're 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 really well written, but like you know, what's it's just like, oh, everyone, look who it is! It's Sanguinius. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, everybody! It's Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah. So we've got one more. Yep. This is Big Blue Papa Smurf Robote Gilliman. Fucking nobody knows how to actually say his name. Robot Gilliman. Um, robot girly man. Yeah. Um, Rowboat. <laughs> like, he is the spiritual liege of all space marines. Uh, the, yeah. so <laughs> he's the one... Dalai Lama of space marines. Oh, God. Oh, not even. Uh, Gilliman is like... Um, if you've ever lived in like a, a, a housing situation with a lot of different people, Gilliman is like the one guy who emails everybody. Like he made an Excel spreadsheet of the house budget. <laughs> he forgot to include like food as an expense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Gilliman loves his spreadsheets. He likes planning things. He likes just getting everything nice and just regimented and categorized and organized and just everything has to be in its rightful place. And then he's happy. But whenever anything like goes out of uh, his plans for it, he kind of like flips out a little bit. Yeah, no, he's he's not the most he's he's socially pliable. He's he like tried nowhere near like he wishes that he was Ferris Manus. Like I think I think Gilliman is just sort of like, oh, you know, I'm logical and reasonable. I'll I'll go along and listen to any point of view. <laughs> and once like, you know, he's just like Angron sits down with him is just sort of like, I've got pain in my skull and it's going real fast and you'll never know anything what it feels like. And like it's just like, oh well <laughs> uh, he just kind of stammers and doesn't know how to really relate to people. Like I yeah. think Gilliman Gilliman is definitely on the spectrum a little bit. Yeah, he seems like an office character or something. Yes. Yeah, he's he's absolutely on the spectrum a little bit. (laughs) But he's a brilliant tactician and a brilliant strategist, and all of the fluff loves jerking off about how much of just a tactical strategical genius he is. And he wrote the book on space marines. It's called the Codex Astartes. It's like it it sets out the rules for how space marines can be like organized and distributed and there are a lot of chapters that took a look at that and thought it was very tactically sound and adopted it and then some others looked at it and were like 
rules. Peeled off on their Harley. Yeah, the the only thing that they were forced to do, besides the Black Templars and a few other chapters, was keep like a thousand soldiers. Like, and that and that was it. Like, just little tiny brotherhoods. Yeah, because after the whole Horus Heresy thing, uh, Gilliman was obviously really, uh, really concerned about how easily uh, Horus was able to like plunge the Imperium into a civil war. So he was like, okay, uh, to quote Kanye West, no one man should have all that power. So just divide <laughs> up all the different legions into uh, much, much smaller little things called chapters. Yeah, and broke up... Um... You know, just like the imperial forces into the navy, into the army, mm-hmm. into the like, you know, the Inquisition was formed. Like, there's so many redundant so much bureaucracy. He's yeah. really got a, a hard on for bureaucracy. Yeah. And like, the thing that's sad about Gilman is anytime you read him, like, most of the authors who have tackled him have done him really well. And you actually like him in the books. You're just kind of like, oh shit. Like, you know, this is a, like a relatable character. Like, he's. He doesn't have any ulterior motives. He's not plotting. He's genuinely like this like pretty altruistic dude. She's a neurotic nerd. He's just a yeah. nerd. He's just yeah, a he's fucking a nerd. nerd. He's a huge nerd and he has he's just not charismatic and he he just like, you know, I'm sure a bunch of people in the Warhammer community would call him a bit of a cuck. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a pocket protector on his armor. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Like he, you know, he's just, he has a big crush on a big anime titty Eldar girl who, yeah. helped, who helped resurrect him. Oh, uh, man. That's, that's all the new shit that I don't know about yet. Yeah. No, I barely know anything about it either. I remember like Gathering Storm happened. That was seventh, <laughs> that was seventh edition. And it was when like GW was like, hey, we're advancing the story. And it was just like, wait, what? And then yeah, they're just they haven't done that for like 10, 15 years. 20, like 20 years. 20 years, yeah. yeah. Like like just been so stalling funny. out in like nine 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 uh 41st millennium, year nine 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 for just God knows how long. Like the last time the plot advanced was third edition. Like it was it like that's that's how long it'd been. So it was just like the mid '90s to the late 2010s. It was it was like that crazy, and they they finally were just sort of like, oh shit! Like you know, the last place where the plot developed was fucking Cadia, and it was just like this huge fucking war where like it was basically Horus Heresy 2.0, where just every single faction in the Imperium and the traitors were just duking each other out on this one planet and yeah. the fucking traders won. They yeah, actually... for the first time ever. Like, Cadia has been a flashpoint for a really long time in the fluff, because it's, like, right next to the Eye of Terror, and it's, like, whenever Chaos, like, gets itself organized and tries to break out and conquer the galaxy, they always have to start at Cadia. And yeah. this time, like, Chaos actually won at Cadia. Cadia did not hold. <laughs> the yeah. fucking planet got broken in half! Yeah, and then that just sort of like, and then the Black Legion kind of took a break. They were just sort of like, "Wow, that was a lot." And then the Death Guard went out and invaded Ultramar. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, the Thousand Suns went and created their own tiny little interstellar empire in the Galactic North. Like there were just like tons of like the Legion suddenly were just like, "Oh wow, there's a material universe. It's not mm-hmm. just it's not just the ever changing immaterium." <laughs> you know, there's there's like Oh, there was something that we once like belongs to, and it's it's there. Like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, oh yeah, about Ultramar. So, you know, when uh, when Bobby writes the Codex and he says that nobody's allowed to have like more than a thousand Space Marines under their command, so he takes his big old legion, he breaks it up into a bunch of chapters, and all these chapters still answer to him. They have, like, different names and color schemes from the Ultramarines, but for all intents and purposes, they're still fucking Ultramarines. Like, he still has that, like, rump state idea in his mind, and always had for a very, very long time. And for a while in the fluff, he was, uh, he was, like, passed out i think i i think it was like he fought fulgrim and fulgrim like grazed him across the neck with a poisoned blade or something and they had to put him in stasis to keep him alive and it was it's only recently that he's actually like woken up 
Right. And he was just like, what has become of my beautiful secular libertarian fantasy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He, he just was like oh my god people worship my dad like he's a god like he says he's so fucking terrified and yeah. like, like he has like orderlies who are just like there there gilliman everything's okay and it's like no nothing's okay everything's horrible like, it's, just, it's just like he was no he's fine now but he was just like freaking the fuck out <laughs> just, like, just what has become of my dream what have you people made of it didn't you even read the instruction manual I wrote because I spent a lot of time on it it's 1500 pages but it's the least you could have done <laughs> dude it's like it's like when you just invade somebody's like home and second life and he's just like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> I made this just so. I made oh it exactly God. as it should be. Like they just start breaking down. Like, yeah, like you go to your more. friends Animal Crossing Island, just start chopping down their trees. Yeah, I made you a best you. friend, you son of a bitch! Oh I my got you. God, I got your turnips right here, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I knew that we were gonna have the most fun with Gilliman. He's like the most fun to make fun of. I you know do Gilliman like really reminds me of like fucking yeah. Paul Ryan or Ben Shapiro or just one of those <laughs> smarmy little facts and logic oh my- weebs that didn't get shoved into enough lockers <laughs> oh when they were growing up. No, he's fucking uh he's fucking Rand Paul after he got bodied by his neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> And it was over something just like super, super, just like <laughs> inconsequential, right? It was yeah, just throwing his like garden. lawn trimmings on his neighbor's lawn or something. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Get out of him. <laughs> yeah, like Gilliman's really, really into facts and logic and smashing libs and. No, I, 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 I want to be a little more nice to Gilliman. I think he watches like videos of like epic SJW takedowns or like, oh you know, atheists God. owning Christians with facts and logic. Like, God is a lie. He's still like sniffing fucking Richard Dawkins' farts. Like, oh, God knows God. how many years after the God delusion came out. I think Gilliman's a little better than that. But it, it, he, it, he just, his problem is he just doesn't know how to read the fucking room. And be like, hmm, no, he has no this, clue. Like, yeah, maybe this crazy werewolf Viking guy who's ten feet tall isn't really into being told what to do. Yeah, and, and that, that thought never occurs to him because it's like, no, this is like, this is logical. This has been specifically engineered to give you the highest probability of success. He's like, there's a wolf inside me, you stupid <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I feel like Gilliman would be really into speed running. <laughs> no, he would love speed running. <laughs> He'd just sort of be like, I just discovered this new wall hack with Super Mario 64, and now with the new leaked source code from Nintendo from March 2020, there are new possibilities. There's a new frontier of what's possible. <laughs> it's coded into the game. It's not breaking the rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, he would he would definitely be like a half a press sort of dude. <laughs> yeah. Sam, do you remember the fucking half a press Super Mario guy? Oh, of course. Yeah, dude. Like that's like a legend that I hope is like passed down to children. Like I love <laughs> I love the half a press guy. He's so fucking funny. I just remember when that video was first coming out and the whole internet was hype on it for a few days. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. But no, I think I do think that Gilliman Actually, like, Gilliman is kind of like all of his brothers distilled into one person. He has a lot going on for him. He, he, you know, he doesn't shy away from close combat. He's just like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's good. Shooting is good. Fortifications are good. Just everything has its place. Everything has its place. Exactly. And, like, he... And there was a time when, like, fucking 5th edition, Matt Ward made... Oh, yeah. Fifth edition was the Ultramarine edition. If you wanted to play Space Marines, that was the only way that you could play. Was was Ultramarines? There was no other way that you could play um, Space Marines. They all like Matt Ward was just sort of like, "Yo, 
Ultramarines, best Marines. And all. Yeah, and he just kind of forced that onto the rest of the canon for a good few years there. Like every single Space Marine thought, knew the Ultramarines were the best among them. They all considered Gilliman their spiritual liege, even if, like, you know, they were from the Space Wolves and they didn't even fucking follow the Magic Space Marine book. Yeah, no. They, it was, were, it was they a, were supposed to be super hype on Robbie. It was a dark time. The only thing, the only nice words that I have for Matt Word, what word? Matt Ward is that he did a decent job with the Necrons reboot. Like I, I think like I think the Necrons like were, you know, it was a little too just like noble bright and just sort of like oh yeah, like the Necrons, you know, they they cooperated with the Blood Angels to fight the Tyranids. And just like I don't know, yeah. like he, it's it's like it, one it of those. It's it's one of those dumb things that pops up sometime in the fluff when like one of the writers just wants to jack off for a couple pages. <laughs> Games Workshop's just like, all right, get your little fucking like fan character OC in there. Like, yeah. uh, whenever Gilliman's, oh sorry, whenever Gilliman's not on screen, everyone has to ask, "Where's Gilliman?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like. Yeah, fifth edition was a dark time, and like, like I didn't play that edition, but uh, like sixth edition was when I started playing like uh, Dark Eldar again, or not again, but for the first time rather. Mm. Um, and then I like sixth ed- sixth edition went on for a long time. I had like the Dark Vengeance box set that came. Me and my girlfriend at the time played it. it she was so nice, Heather Kurth. She she played. <laughs> Shout out to she, Heather. Shout out to Heather. Heather Heather Kurth played, um, you know, it was a Dark Angels versus Chaos box. And so, like, we we played that together. And, uh, like, she beat me a bunch of times. It was so much fun. But um, we, um, or rather I, on my own, started a Dark Eldar army, that edition. There's no point to this. I'm literally just bloviating about <laughs> yeah. about about sixth edition. But fifth edition was a dark time, and like I don't know, it's it's fun. You know when you like want to keep up with something, but not necessarily invest your time or money into it. Yeah, like, kind of poke your head in and see what's yeah. going on. Yeah, no that that was definitely what like that's most of what Warhammer has been to me. Like I played I played fourth edition as a kid, and then a little bit of fifth edition. But I was just like, man, this is whatever i'm going to college (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. um and then i and then now just eighth edition you know sam and i have played a bunch of kill team games together which has been super fun um but anyway uh let's go back to gilliman which is actually fun to talk about yeah um I mean, it's interesting during the heresy because, like, all the other primarchs are doing some serious shit, like, um you know, Dorne's defending Terra. Uh, Vulcan and Ferris and Corex are trying to stay alive or not staying alive during the Dropsite Massacre. All the traitors are doing the Dropsite Massacre. And all the time, Bob's just off in the corner, just building his own little sand castle. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. But to to his credit, he endures something that's far worse than the, um, the Dropsite Massacre. It's not like given enough credit in the lore. Like he, it's it's the sacking of his entire empire. Um, oh, yeah, the, the world eaters and the word bearers, two legions who historically don't get along with one another, are sent by Horus to just invade Ultramar, and they, I think, like for thirty minutes, Gilliman is just sending, like, just radio signals of like yo what are you doing i think i think you don't understand there's people here why are you attacking my planet why are you attacking all these planets my people are here what like he just can't understand it but it's just like him just kind of like spectruming out and just sort of like wait what this doesn't make any sense like he's just like this doesn't make any logical sense like what what's going on like it's like he he just like can't fathom it but once he finally does it takes him so fucking long to understand that like 
these people are like here to kill him. And it's Lorgar who he recently just like less than like 80 years ago humbled and blew up his entire city like in front of their dad, the emperor. Like, remember that? Where, like, yeah. fucking, yeah. And, like, he's just like, Lorgar, why are you here? Why are you, like, blowing up my planets? Like, he's just like, what? what's going on? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's not logical to just blow up people's planets like that, okay? It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's like, but it, it, it is like this, it, to be, you know, more, like, you know, sincere and earnest. Like, it is a very, like, heartbreaking moment where he's just starting to realize oh my god, they actually mean this. Yeah. <laughs> they're, actually, they're actually here to, like, you know, kill me and kill everybody here. And, like, he just sort of finally... And then at that point, he just stops sending transmissions. And he's just sort of like, alright, everybody, just, you know... And he single-handedly, you know, defends Ultramar just, you know, against the World Eaters who we've said... You know, just like there's just no beating them. Like they are like one of the most horrifying, just close combat legions that there are. They're just mm-hmm. the, these berserker gladiatorial combatants who have no regard for their own lives and are just committed to killing as many things as they possibly can until they die. Like they're they're crazy. Yeah. And, and I think like the World Eater's homeworld is like right next to uh, Gilliman's whole sandcastle. So, wait, really? Yeah, no, Nuceria is really, really close to Ultramar. So Holy there's... shit, dude! It's so funny. There's just way too much fucking lore, and like, you know what? It's good because it just yeah. like anytime you feel like you're starting to get jaded about 40k lore, which is often. Yes, like, like you, something will like pop up, or you're just like, oh shit, I fucking for I didn't. I forgot that like it rules like I I don't know I fucking love that but um oh hell yeah yeah but no like it's it's like this really intense battle that between like these three legions and Ultramar barely survives but they beat them back they do it yep um there's there's a lot of points where Ultramar has to put up with a, like a huge assault on everything and they come out of it okay. Like there was a the whole like I think at least one maybe two Tyranid High Fleet invasions yes. and uh, you know sometimes they like to go bully the Tau. Well, that's that's like one thing that's going to be interesting with the current lore is um, I forget I don't know the Necron lore very well. I'm excited to see it become more interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, uh, like there's a the biggest Necron dynasty is sandwiched between Ultramar and the Tau Empire. Ah. Um, so like, my guess is that like GW will do some like campaign where it's just sort of like, oh man, like they're gonna buddy up <laughs> and like try to like survive this mass onslaught between like the fucking Necrons, and then like when the dust has settled. Like, you know, the Tau and the Ultramarines will be like, you know, we're not so different after all. <laughs> we're all nerds that everyone hates. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, friend. Go fuck yourself, you little tweet. <laughs> Support for Bros Once Loyal comes from Astartes Smarties, now available in ultramarine blue raspberry flavor. And from listeners like you, thank you. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts, Podbean, Stitcher, or follow us on your RSS feed. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and somehow even Tumblr. Just search for Bros Once Loyal on any one of those platforms and we'll pop up near the top. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe out there. We'd also like to give a special uh, shout-out in remembrance to our friend Nux, who passed away at five and a half years old. He was a fat, dumb cat, and now he eats at the right hand of the Emperor. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nux was a good guy. Here's to Nux. Here's to Nux, baby. Cheers, lads. Here's to Nux, cool.